Can you heal from abuse? What do I do after leaving my narcissist? What does a healthy relationship look like? These concerns cross the minds of over 20 people every minute, over 28,800 people every day. And the sad fact is, we still don't talk about it enough. Healing from emotional abuse isn't a band-aid situation, but it doesn't have to take years either. The lives of millions of other survivors around the world have been impacted by their narcissist. Yours doesn't have to. To show you how to live a free, confident, and peaceful life, your host and founder of the Healing from Emotional Abuse philosophy, Marissa F. Cohen. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Breaking Through Our Silence, the podcast. I just wanted to remind everyone that April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month and to be aware of what's happening in your community. Your local rape crisis center should be holding several events, including a denim day and a walk a mile in her shoes and various other really fun events. Even local colleges will have some. Look into them. They're a lot of fun to partake. There's just a ton of fun activities and events to do around town to support your community and support your local survivors and be involved. As you know, for Sexual Assault Awareness Month, I'm doing live interviews with survivors every week. Today, we have my amazing friend, Kendra. She is a phenomenal champion. She is so strong, and she's overcome some really horrific events in her life. And I'm so, so honored to have her on here. So welcome, Kendra. I was, I think, 11 years old, so I was in the fifth grade, and I had met a friend. She was new to like our school, new to my class, and we got along really well. And we would walk home from school every day together, and that quickly turned into she would come to my house after school, I would go to her house after school, and we spent pretty much all of our time together when we weren't in school or doing other like family-related things. And we kind of been building up, building up, building up, and finally we decided like, oh, let's have a sleepover. So of course, like her parents cleared it, my mom cleared it, and it was like the one friend whose parents my mom had never met before. So she was a little bit hesitant, but it was literally a block over from the house. She'd met the girl, she felt very comfortable. She knew that if anything happened, it's within walking distance of home, maybe two to three minutes. So uh, she okayed it. And we had just like a normal night, what girls do, like we ate top ramen. We watched Halloween um, and we went to bed and we were sleeping and I woke up. I have no idea what time it was. I woke up because I kept feeling something tickling my leg. It made me very uncomfortable and I kept thinking there was like a bug on me or something and I kept kind of just brushing my leg and, and swatting it away and I also noticed it was really, really cold and I had my back turned, I guess, towards like the outside of the bed. And I could see, I woke up and I opened my eyes, I could see the window was open and I could see that the TV was on, which wasn't abnormal to me. We'd fallen asleep watching movies, but the window being open was a little bit weird. And I remember thinking that. Uh, and I rolled over and there was nobody there. So again, I thought, okay, I don't know what's going on. I just kept brushing my leg um, and I fell back asleep. And I don't know how much time had passed, um, but I woke up again because from the waist down, I didn't have clothes on anymore. Um, my shorts and my underwear had been pulled completely down. And I kind of sat there, my eyes barely open, and I just remember, I don't know what was being played on TV, but I remember the background being really blue and the whole room was illuminated in blue. And I opened my eyes and there was a man sitting on the edge of the bed. And he was just running his hands up and down my legs. 
he had lifted my shirt up and immediately I remember thinking, I'm in trouble. Like I, I can't do anything. I was so terrified in that moment to confront this man. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know what was going on. And so I tried to play it off as best as I could as an 11 year old girl of like rubbing my face. Like I was kind of waking up and like pulled my shirt down and tried to pull the covers up. Um, and also tried to scoot a little bit further into the bed and close to my friend. And I was successful in doing so. I kind of got away from this man and he got up and he left the room. I can only presume to go to the bathroom. And I pulled up my shorts quickly and I shook my friend and I just was trying so hard to wake her up. I said, there's somebody in your room. There's somebody in your room. There's a man in the house. Like, I don't know what to do. And she was out cold. She did not wake up. And I could hear him coming back in. And so I just wrapped myself up in the covers and pushed myself as close to her as possible. And he continued to sit on the edge of the bed um, and try to touch me through the covers. But I just kind of kept tossing and turning. Didn't go back to sleep for the rest of that night. Um, I have no idea what this man looked like. I have no idea who he was. The next morning, I mentioned to my friend when she woke up, I said, hey, there was somebody in your room last night. Do you know anything? like, no, I woke up a few times. There was nobody in here. I'm like, no, like there was, you know, just watching something on TV. Um, and I remember being really uncomfortable and just packing my little bag as quick as I could and getting out. And I got home and went to an event, just like a family event. And I told my cousin, I remember just feeling really gross and dirty and scared. And I just told her, I said, I don't know what happened. Like he, he took my clothes off. I don't, I don't know. And she kept telling me, Kendra, you have to tell somebody. I was like, I can't tell. Like, I'll be in trouble. You know, like, I was wearing shorts. And I'm blaming myself at 11 years old for wearing pajama shorts to bed. And I, you know, immediately thought to myself, if I had worn pants or if I had socks on, like, this wouldn't have happened. I don't know why my brain was wired that way at such a young age, but it was. And the entire day, I kept telling my cousin, no, it's okay, it's okay. And then... My cousin said, no, you have to tell someone. I said, no, I made it up. I made it up. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Because I was afraid. I thought I would be the one in trouble. Like, I was the one who chose to sleep over. I was the one who also let it happen. I didn't confront him. And so in my mind, I thought, I'm going to be looked at like, you let it happen. Like, this is your fault. So several hours of convincing went by. And my cousin finally said, if you don't tell your mom, I will. I said, okay. So she walked upstairs with me. I told my mom. And... From there, it's kind of a blur. I don't really remember all the details. I remember the cops being called. I had to disclose everything that happened. I remember writing in the back of the police car to show them the house because I didn't know her address. Um, And I don't know what happened, if they ever found out who it was. Uh, I do remember my mom mentioning a few months later that, you know, she had stayed in contact with the officer that we reported it with just to kind of follow up. And they had mentioned they have a suspicion about who it was some family member in the house, um, but nothing was confirmed. And then nobody in the family had come forward. They all said that that member of the family was not living there. They hadn't seen him in a while. And I think the worst part for me was I went back to school that Monday and she knew what happened and she didn't look at me. She wouldn't talk to me. Uh, Her birthday party was a few weeks later. And of course I wasn't allowed to go. She kind of made it known to like all of the other girls in our class Like, oh yeah, she made up some rumor about my family and it wasn't until the week after her birthday party. And I just remember my little heart broke for her 
I was walking home from school and she ran up behind me and she got my attention and she was crying. She said, I'm so sorry. I didn't believe you. She said, it happened to me the night of my party. (sighs) And I just remember, like, I have chills now, like recounting that. Um, I, several years later, I think I was in junior high. She actually attended my junior high and we were in a class together. And of course I approached her like, Hey, you know, do you remember me? And she's like, no, I don't remember you. And she denied ever knowing me. She denied ever being friends with me. And that was kind of like, that was kind of it for me. It's like, okay, either you've gone through something far more traumatic and you've, you've really blocked it all out and you truly don't remember, or you're embarrassed or something else has happened and you don't want to associate with me and that's fine. So few years later we just kind of caught all ties and I never saw her again I'm so sorry that happened to you oh my god that's such a painful story I hate it I'm not gonna lie (laughs) it could and I always think too right it could be worse it could be worse and I'm grateful it didn't go further and I'm grateful that whatever he had planned if he had anything else planned he stopped but yeah it's like, I wouldn't wish that on, on anybody in any situation. Right. That's so scary. You're in a place you don't know. It's a human being you don't know and have never seen. Yeah. And nobody believes you. And everyone's trying to convince you that you're, well, not your family, but, can you know, your yeah. friend was trying to convince you it wasn't true and their family was protecting. That's horrible. And for an 11-year-old to already be pretty much conditioned to believe that it's their fault no matter what, it speaks so, so loud about our society and how yeah. we condition people. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing that. I think what's crazy to me too is it didn't come up until several years later in therapy for something completely unrelated, you know, talking about past trauma and things like that. I was asked to tell my story and halfway through my story, I said, and it's not like the pajama shorts were short, like, like they were long. And you know, my therapist said, no, don't like, don't make that excuse. It doesn't matter what you were wearing. And I think that's like, and I don't know, maybe other people feel this way, maybe they don't, but I think that's the thing that's so tricky about trauma is no matter how much healing you do and what processing you go through, there's always kind of those little things that just slip out of if I had done this or that that underlying tone of like guilt and shame that just come along with it, I think. I think you're totally right. They like don't go away. It's never really addressed. You know, yeah. we say, oh, well, it wasn't your fault. It doesn't matter what you were wearing, but there's no healing with that. You know, I... I can think of a thousand reasons why my assault would have been my fault, but not really because I had no control over the situation like you did. And I think that a lot of people agree with us that it's, it's all about how we condition it and and we ignore the little things when we're trying to heal the big picture. Those little things are still seeds that are still planted. Right. What did you do? Because you are, you seem at least very well adjusted and stable. (laughs) You know, I don't know what happens in your head, but yeah. You know, what did you do to heal from it? Like, was there anything that you tried that worked really well for you? Um, I think what was hard is at 11 years old, I didn't understand the impact that it had on my day-to-day life or what it was going to do down the line for me. I was very fortunate in the sense that I had a supportive family who, you know, immediately addressed the situation. Um, My mom offered therapy or different outlets like that because she knew that she couldn't be the one to do all of my healing. In my little 11-year-old mind, I was like, no, I don't I don't need that. I think I'm fine. You know, I, I wanted to get back to my normal life. I wanted to be able to have sleepovers again. You know, I think that, that the trauma aside, like my social life and my social class at a really critical point in my life was getting ready to be out of elementary school and get into junior high with a new friend group. Like that was being disrupted in a very bold way. And so I didn't do anything for several years. Uh, and it 
really wasn't until oh seven or eight years later when I started to address, oh, I'm uncomfortable around men, like so uncomfortable. Or if somebody brushes my thigh, like I'm triggered and I just coil up. And I never associated the two together. I just thought, oh, I'm just shy and I'm introverted and I just rather not confront people. And so that's kind of when I was was open about it. Um, And I found some other people who had gone through something similar. And I then went to therapy for, like I said, different trauma. And a lot of things started to come up. Like, I'm afraid of men. I feel like I have no power. Like that stuff started to come up. Um, And just figuring out different avenues, um, things like writing. And we did a lot of, you know, kind of sort of like telling a different story to myself using objects and getting, you know, an unbiased third party's view on that to kind of help really frame everything differently for me. And then it also came up, I think I allowed, not necessarily abuse, but I allowed a lot of really inappropriate behavior in my teenage years that I thought, oh, I, I had a friend that kept asking, just lift your shirt up, just flash me. And I was really uncomfortable and really triggered by that. And I didn't know why I couldn't explain it. And so I did it. And as I was doing it, I was crying. He's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I'm uncomfortable. You just, I'm really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think I didn't have the wherewithal to stop a lot of that in my teenage years. I think therapy was a big outlet, I would say, when I was 17, 18. And over the last few years, just kind of going back through that and talking through trust issues and trauma and why I view things the way that I view them. And then also never putting myself in a position where I feel like I could be compromised. I'm only, if I'm ever in a position I'm uncomfortable around somebody, I make sure somebody else knows and I get out of there as quickly as possible. And I don't stand for anybody treating me a certain way or telling me to do something or asking me to do something where I'm uncomfortable, I I kind of identify those triggers when they bubble up and I just, I get out of a situation as quickly as possible. That's awesome. And that's really smart. Being situationally aware is very underrated. I, it's never, ever, ever the survivor's fault in any situation ever, but there are very good ways to get yourself out of compromising situations just by being situationally aware. And I love that you always let somebody know when you're uncomfortable and get out as soon as possible. A lot of people, at least from, from what I've learned, will just stay silent because they don't want to make anyone else feel uncomfortable or burden anyone. And they, they don't want to be known as like that guy. Yeah. So it's so much better that you have a, like a routine and like a system and, and you know your worth and you know where you stand and, and you get yourself out of it to keep yourself safe. Yeah. That's amazing. I want to go back to that object thing you were talking about because I've never heard of that and I'm so curious. Yeah. So what is it? Um, so we, it was like just a really big sandbox and she basically sat me down and I had objects at my disposal and they were small things like little figurines, houses, shapes that I could use. I just had the sand and I was able to play with the sand. So she said, so get it to where you want it to start, whether it's bumpy, do you want to spell something in it? Do you want it completely flat? However you feel good with the sand and then think through a situation in your life or think through, um, and in this situation, part of it was because I was suffering trauma at being, um, from being robbed at gunpoint by a male. And so that's for me was like a really prevalent thing, right? Like I'm very uncomfortable around males and I feel like like I don't have power in a lot of those situations. So that's kind of what we were playing out. And so she she wanted me to get figurines and kind of highlight, okay, so like in any situation where you're uncomfortable, what is the male? Use an object to describe the male. Use an object to describe you. 
Um, and it became very apparent, like the, I think it was like a big GI Joe style figurine that I put in the sandbox for a male. And I picked the smallest, most fragile infant looking figurine for me. And I positioned us very closely. And of course I'm doing a lot of this subconsciously. Like I've got a safety net, you know, maybe a few inches away from me, but I'm closer to this male that has all of the power. And just a lot of dark shapes and a lot of dark figures behind him, um, just kind of talking about being fearful. And of course, as I'm doing this, I'm just thinking, right, this is this is how I feel in these situations. And she was able to really help me break it down and think through, okay, so if you're in a situation, you feel this way, what do you have in your back pocket? What tools can you pull in? If you're looking at these figurines, what could be helpful for you? Um, And that's where some of the things like telling somebody I'm uncomfortable, finding your voice, like not being afraid. And, you know, it's always better to be safe than sorry. And if you're in a situation where you're uncomfortable, nobody's going to care about you but you. So stand up, scream, make as much noise as possible. And at the end of the day, you probably won't regret it. And so that's where I learned a lot of those things is, okay, you know, like, it's not just me. It's if I'm in these situations, I'm not by myself. I'm not weak and quiet. You know, I can, I can stand up and I can move and I can make noise and I can get other people involved and I can pull myself back into my safety bubble at any point. Uh, And that was extremely, extremely enlightening for me. That's amazing. I love that, that you said nobody else is going to protect you but you or nobody else is going to care but you. So you do, you need to be your biggest advocate and your biggest ally. And who cares if you scream and piss people off and, you know, look silly for a second, you're keeping yourself safe. And that's the most important thing. Awesome. Thank you so much. What advice would you have or would you give to little girls that might be in that situation that you were in? Um, I think one, always be the person that, that you need to be, be your own advocate. And I know that that's hard when you're young, but also find a trusted source and tell a trusted source. And I think it's so much easier. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I remember like sitting on my bedroom floor and playing a game with my cousin and her like basically threatening me, right? Like you don't tell somebody I will. And thank God I had her in my life because if I didn't, I don't know that I would have come forward ever. And this has been, you know, nearly 20 years. And so find somebody, especially if you're young, if it's an adult, great. But if it's not, like somebody who's going to help fight for you and don't be afraid of coming forward. And I know that that's hard. And I know, I think now it doesn't matter. You know, I'm 30. I still sometimes feel that same way. Like, Oh, I probably don't want to come forward because it's embarrassing or nothing's going to come of it. And right in my situation, nothing did come of it. I didn't find anybody. I don't know what happened to my abuser, but I know that my voice may, may have at some point stopped it from happening to somebody else. And so remember that, you know, if, if you're in a situation you're fighting for yourself, but you're also fighting for everybody else that's going through it. And we're a lot louder as a crowd than we are as a single individual. So don't be afraid to step up and know that there is a community out there that does support you and you won't face that judgment and that shame and that guilt. Um, You can shed that whenever you're ready to let go of it. Thank you so much. That's all so helpful. Thank you so much for sharing your story and for being here and advocating for survivors everywhere. You're phenomenal. Thank you. And um, I'm so honored to be my friend. Kendra, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your story with us. You have such an amazing outlook and such phenomenal, helpful advice. I can't thank you enough for being here. 
Kendra used some amazing resources from her support network and her family to therapy and using object analysis, which I think is really, really cool. If you want to feel strong and empowered like Kendra does, you should start healing too. For the month of April, I'm offering my premium healing calendar with 365 methods and techniques to start your journey for 50% off, only $27. It's filled with fun activities and self-care techniques that are easy to use every day. You can find it at marissafaycohen.com slash courses. Just a reminder to everybody listening to get involved in your community for Sexual Assault Awareness Month and to support survivors. We want everybody to live a brave, full, and peaceful life. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. If you enjoyed this podcast, you have to check out www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. That's www.marissafaycohen.com backslash private dash coaching. Marissa would love to develop a made for you healing plan to heal from emotional abuse. She does all the work and you just show up. Stop feeling stuck, alone, and hurt and live a free, confident, and peaceful life. Don't forget to subscribe to the Healing from Emotional Abuse podcast and follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Marissa F. Cohen and Instagram at marissa.fay.cohen. We'd love to see you there.